Hey everyone, this is Dave Cruz from Flyber Labs, a podcast on business and innovation in the Midwest and beyond. Here you'll meet fascinating people and learn about new technologies and practices that will change how you look at life and business. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyber Labs. And today we are lucky enough to have Jeffrey Graham with us. And Jeffrey is the VP of Market Insight and Analytics at Twitter, which is a quite interesting because Twitter is in the middle of a huge amount of real-time analytics. And Jeffrey has a great background in analytics, which he can talk about. And he also received his PhD in sociology from the City University of New York. So we all know Twitter, um, but I'm, I invited Jeff on the show because I'm curious how he puts together his insights analytics program um, at Twitter. To me, it sounds like a very intimidating <laughs> project because they have such a huge amount of data and they have to show clients you know, the, the value of Twitter at the same time. So I'm excited to learn more. Uh, so Jeffrey, thanks for coming on the show today. My pleasure. My pleasure. So yeah, I briefly mentioned your background. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you eventually ended up at Twitter? Sure. So I started out uh, in the uh, business about 20 years ago uh, after moving to New York uh, from Greece. I started at a company uh, that was building websites and uh, uh, online marketing campaigns for clients. Started out as research manager. Um, from there, worked at a startup called Dynamic Logic, which uh, did research measuring the effectiveness of online advertising uh, using cookie data and survey data and basically uh, doing experiments uh, and seeing which online advertising changed people's minds and, and kind of moved the needle from a branding perspective. Huh. What year was that um, about? That was in the um, uh, at the late 90s, wow. 1999. Right. Yeah. So it was yeah, yeah. Um, then um, moved on to a company called Starcom MediaVest, which is based in Chicago, and I was the head of research for the Procter & Gamble account um, in basically helping map uh, measurement strategies for digital media uh, and uh, other innovation, um, but also um, was head of research for their television buying unit as well. Um I then moved on to the New York Times. I was head of research for the New York Times. Um, this was around 1998 or so, um, and um, basically consolidated all of the, the different research functions at the Times on the business side and um, helped uh, in um, marketing to new subscribers and um, developing new strategic initiatives and figuring out, kind of answering some of the, the basic strategic questions for for the times, for print and digital and, and mobile. Uh, I was head of research for Google, uh, for the Americas, head of ad research, uh, and that was right before I moved to Twitter uh, about uh, four years ago. And right now I, I lead um, teams across both the B2B side, uh, doing research for our advertising clients, as well as for the consumer side, uh, answering questions about who uses Twitter, why do they use Twitter, how we can better um, uh, grow that user base through outbound marketing and, and product initiatives. Yeah, you have quite the deep background um, in, in media and analytics. That's interesting. And so why did you end up uh, getting your PhD in sociology? What prompted you? So I, I 
studied communication in college uh, that uh, my ma- uh, bachelor's degree. And when I moved, um, I spent some time living in Europe and I lived in Greece. And uh, when I moved to New York City in the mid-90s, I did a master's degree in uh, media studies. And so it's always been an interest, um, just uh, understanding the relationship between media and society um, and uh, all the different ways that um, advertising works and, and, and messaging works in that system. So it's really driven by kind of just curiosity and the desire to continue continue to learn and um, you know answer those questions. So it's kind of a kind of a, a hobby <laughs> that I did during uh, you know uh, during that period. Nice. Were you working while going to school too? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Wow. You were busy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> a lot of early mornings and late nights, but uh, you know the I, I find that you know keeping myself stimulated and keep myself learning is is I'm happiest when I'm doing that. So mm-hmm. it that certainly helped. Well, I like that. So how, how else do you uh, continue to learn? Like, do you have certain materials you like to read or keep up to date with? Well, right now I'm getting more and more um, into different data science techniques. So um, reading uh, reading books that I get my hands on, um, doing some Coursera uh, courses on data science. So starting to learn programming, um, you know, with R and Python and, and, and getting deeper into the, um, you know, uh, the techniques that are just evolving um, in, in data science. So always trying to pick up new skills and, and learn more. That's that's good. I mean, you, you sound like you've always been kind of a curious person based on the roles that you played. <laughs> always, yeah. Yeah. We were like Definitely. that. We were like that growing up too. Let's see. I guess so. I, I think, um, I think at least starting in high school, you know, I was on the debate team and, you know, used to read a lot of magazines and, you know, uh, when I skipped school, I would end up at, you know, going to libraries or spending time at, you know, reading books during, you know, so I, I think I've always wanted to learn stuff. Uh, I think that's just part of who I am. And in your career, was there one particular project or a job where like, this was pretty amazing. I learned a ton and, you know, this is, this is a, one of the key points I probably have learned, um, I know it's kind of probably yeah. a tough question to <laughs> pick up one, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when I uh, joined uh, Dynamic Logic, um, that was a, a startup. It was like six or eight people uh, in in 1999 or 2000, and um, Dynamic Logic was had a, a service um, that it was a it was a research product, but it, it was a service where. Uh, advertisers would take a campaign uh, online, tag the campaign uh, so that uh, people that were exposed to that campaign would um, be be, uh, tagged with cookies. Uh, A survey would run and people that were uh, exposed to that campaign would be compared to people that weren't exposed to that campaign. And then that difference was ascribed to the impact of the campaign, and we look at increases in brand awareness and purchase intent, things like that. Uh, and when I joined Dynamic Logic, you know, they were maybe doing six or eight campaigns um, uh, at any given time, and then 
very quickly we ended up doing 40 or 50 and and uh, wow. we didn't really have much of a process to, to get them done. So that was a really interesting moment um, as, a, as a small startup to figure out, okay, well, how do we do these things so that they that they don't get screwed up because it, it was really technical. You know, we'd have to upload tags and we'd have to write surveys and we'd have to work with publishers to run those surveys and then download the data and analyze the data. And there was a lot of writing on it. So that was really interesting to deal with clients, to deal with internal technical teams, client service teams, to make sure that the product actually could get delivered uh, and that we could scale. And um, I think that that's been that's that that was certainly um big learning experience and something that I really like to do, which is to to scale things to mm. to to take an idea and then to be able to make them happen in a repeatable way across you know bigger teams interesting, which is valuable and not easy to do, but you, you guys were yeah. definitely ahead of your time doing what you, the research you were doing it seems like um, yeah yeah, but the, yeah. Oh, all right yeah. well, oh, oh go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean that was that was kind of the the first commercially available brand effectiveness research, and now you know, sixteen, seventeen years later, it's a pretty standard measurement. Dynamic Logic was acquired uh, by WPP, and and so yeah, it was cool to be able to see basically a metric that was developed there become fairly standard in the industry. Well, I have a lot of questions about that, but. We only have so much time, so we should probably talk about yeah. Twitter too. So okay. <laughs> that's where you are now. Um, but yeah, can you can you uh, tell us kind of what your priorities are um, as you know as VP of marketing and uh, marketing insight and analytics? Yeah, so I, I'd say there's two major areas. So on the B two B side, uh, we help advertisers understand how to get more value out of their advertising at Twitter. So we measure uh, their campaigns, sometimes with the same techniques I was describing that Dynamic Logic developed. Um, but based on their objectives, whether it's conversion or brand lift or sales, uh, we work with them to measure those campaigns and then to learn how to um, uh, get more effectiveness out of their subsequent campaigns. Uh, and we also do um, um, thought leadership to help them uh, learn about the Twitter audience and uh, how Twitter should fit into their overall media mix. So that's one kind of area. Um, the second area on the consumer side is to get a better understanding of the Twitter audience. We have more than 300 million uh, monthly active users, and it's diverse across many, many different countries. But as we make decisions about how we uh, communicate to those users, to non-users, and how we map kind of the future of Twitter, we need a deeper understanding of of, um, of the, that consumer, um, and uh, and you know understanding of our brand and how that how our brand and how our product fits into their lives. So that's kind of a second set of questions uh, about um, just the Twitter uh, Twitter consumer and the product itself. All right. So yeah, I've got a lot of questions, but uh, so with around the consumer aspect, like how do you know, how do you know what questions to ask, and how do you know you're right, asking the right questions? I mean, you know you've yeah. been doing this a while, but that's a really good. I, you just asked, a, I think, a really really good question. Uh, 
when we when we started to build the consumer uh, research side, um, that's where we started, which was um, to start to to surface the most important questions and then prioritize and classify those. And we we created a process that we called question storming. So like brainstorming, but really a process around surfacing questions um, in a way that allowed us to come up with, um, you know, even the smallest questions, but then eventually ladder them up to the big questions uh, in a structured way. So then so then we can start to uh, be very uh, simple uh, in the way that we communicate what we're doing, but then make sure that our work is aligned to stuff that's actually going to move the business. And, and sometimes those questions can can get very simple, like why do people use Twitter? Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, uh, be able to then create questions underneath that that's going to, um, you know, and, and it may get down very tactically to a survey question, but you may not ask why do you use Twitter in a survey question. It may be a, a different type of technique that's going to, ladder up to that bigger question. So we we spent a lot of time making sure we were asking the right questions. And I think that that's no matter what technique you're ending up going to use, whether it's data science or qualitative, you know, research, getting that question right, getting those questions right is, is one of the most important steps. Has there been a question that you asked that you were pretty surprised by the answer? Um. I think we're I think we're surprised all the time. Okay, uh, fair um, enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we're surprised all the time. I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, it's hard to pick up one know, without. The, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, we just did some research around customer service on Twitter, uh, and we created um, this research design uh, where we uh, basically. Uh, were able to observe who had received timely customer service on Twitter uh, and then people who hadn't. And then we went and we surveyed those two groups of people um, uh, blindly that we didn't, you know, we weren't communicating to them that they were getting, that they were being classified in this particular way. And then we brought them through um, a price sensitivity uh, analysis where for a variety of different um, services, but I'll use airlines as an example, um, we started to ask them about how much they would be willing to pay for different aspects of the service. So on an airline, um, how much would they be willing to pay more for uh, an aisle seat or for an upgrade? And basically it was a price sensitivity conjoint analysis, but we're able to compare the people that had gotten good customer service on Twitter and people that hadn't. And what we found is that the people who had received good customer service on Twitter were much less price sensitive because they had had this positive experience with Mm. the brand um, that when we started asking them about how much they're willing to pay, they actually were willing to pay more for that airline's service. Um, than people who hadn't received good customer service. So we're able to really hone in to the hmm. ROI of customer service on Twitter. And, and we were surprised that, you know, we were hoping that that was true um, because we want um, 
we we believe that that was true. That was our hypothesis. But to see it play out in such a quantified way, uh, I think was was really exciting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And and do you guys have your own analytical tools? I know you mentioned like R and Python. Um, do you? Uh, yeah, we yeah. we do we do we have um, you know we have a. a a data stack that that has different layers obviously and and we have some of our own ways of um you know warehousing the data and and querying the data um like a lot of the big tech companies gotcha and if i was pepsi you know and there's i I mentioned pepsi because you know they don't have a a ton of online purchases like how do you how would you kind of show pepsi that twitter is delivering value like do you have a scoring system you know i yeah yeah there's probably retweets you can measure there's lots of things you can measure but how do you uh come down to sure boil it down to yeah a score or something yeah well you know it it depends on on the objective for that particular campaign and certainly for you know if they're trying to deliver you know entertaining content we can look at engagement and retweets and things like that um sometimes a brand like pepsi is trying to build their association with um you know, the Olympics, for example, or the Super Bowl. Uh, and so we can measure how well the advertising uh, built that association, brand attributes, even awareness of the new uh, product. Um, and in uh, the U.S., uh, we can actually measure um, sales volume. So we can compare uh, households that had received um, Pepsi advertising for a particular campaign compare them to like households um, that didn't receive um, that uh, advertising and basically with loyalty card data um, compare the, the two sets of households and see if there's an uplift in actual sales mm-hmm. so so you, it, you, you can tie together the, the the Twitter handle with the whether um, with a household and see if they actually purchase. So, yeah, we work with third parties, and obviously, cool. it's, yeah. it's it's all privacy, of privacy yes. protected. And um, but yeah, there there are techniques to basically do blind matches uh, at the household level and see uh, what the impact is on sales. That's helpful. Yeah, that's good. Okay, and I I know we're almost out of time. I did read about one study that was I thought was quite intriguing, and uh, around uh, measuring uh, brain activity and uh, yeah. to see people's reactions when they're using Twitter. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we, we ask people questions all the time and we look at their behavior, but we also like to understand what their implicit reactions are. And one of the techniques we've used is um, looking at brain activity of, of, of while people use Twitter and, and how they're, um, how they're responding uh, to Twitter. Uh, relative to other online media to see kind of how Twitter may be different. Um, so we recruit people, incentivize people, agree to do this research. And um, what we found is that uh, based on where people's uh, kind of uh, neuroactivity, electrical activity uh, is um, observed while they're using Twitter, um, we can kind of see differences between Twitter and uh, other online media and and have found that Twitter is actually a really emotional uh, medium, that people kind of have a really personal relationship with the platform, um, and that tends to make um, 
the messages they seem uh, see there are very memorable. Um, so we've we've done that um, in a few markets around the world. Um, it's just a, a really interesting way to get at insights without having to ask somebody uh, a direct question about something. It'll be all. This will all be a lot easier when we have brain implants, and you can just uh, tap into <laughs> our brain activity. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I'd sign up for that. I don't know about <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> I would sign up for that. But um, okay, yeah, you you might have a. Uh, a sample of one or a population of one. <laughs> okay. <me>. All right. <laughs> but, well, we got to start somewhere. Yeah, that's right. Uh, all right. Well, um, yeah, I definitely appreciate it, uh, your time. I think that just about does it for this podcast. And, uh, but uh, what you've done is quite interesting and you've had quite a career. So I appreciate you sharing a little bit, bit about uh, what you've done. My and, pleasure. So my pleasure. It was really nice to talk to you. Definitely. And, uh, I think thanks to everyone for listening to that episode of Flyover Labs. As always, I greatly appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, everyone. Bye.